hear me? Okay, I'm on. Well, I just want to welcome everybody again. I know we've welcomed all of our guests, all, our, all of our new guests, and I want to welcome you. I'm so glad you're here. Our friends who came out yesterday, I am so glad that you guys are here with us at service. It is truly a blessing. Church family, uh, I'm, I'm just privileged to be able to preach the word of God to you this morning. Did you know that we have a Bible that's living and active? The very breath of God. So it's an incredible privilege every week to be under that word. And so I'm just uh, privileged to be able to do it, and I'm excited to continue in our series, In His Name. Well, if you live long enough, regardless of your upbringing or your worldview, you've probably asked yourself this question, what is my place in the universe? There has been uh, many philosophers and many different religions and theologians who have acknowledged that there is truly something greater than mankind out there. You've probably thought to yourself as you look out to the world and to creation, all of this can't just be about us. You ever thought that before? Can't just be about us. Well, if you've thought that before, friend, I want to tell you, you are right. The universe does not just simply revolve around us. The Bible actually tells us that there is someone truly greater than humanity that exists and reigns. And last week we learned that he's, one of his names is Elohim. But this week we're going to learn another name. And his name now this week is Adonai. Can you say that with me? Adonai. This simply means, this name of God, the Lord and Master of all that exists. This morning, our goal is to simply explore how important it really is to know this great and powerful and most necessary name of God. Not only is it important to know God as Adonai, but it is vital to our Christian experience. It is vital that we know that the Lord of all governs our lives better than we could ever govern our lives. And knowing God as Adonai, at the end of the day, is the true start of our relationship with Christ. It's the true start of doing anything for God, of being used by God. Truth is, is that no one has ever done anything, anything great for God until they have settled the issue of who is the Lord. And so this morning, we're going to try to settle that issue by looking into this name, Adonai, the Lord of all, and the master of all that exists. And so before I keep rambling on, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. O oh, Adonai, cornerstone, Lord of all, help us to understand this name. It is so great. It is so comforting to know that someone is in control of what seems to be the chaos of the world. It is so amazing to know that someone can govern our lives better than we can govern our own lives. Lord, it's great to know that we have a Lord and Master. Lord, help us to have an understanding of this this morning. What we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. Lord, your word is truth. And as Jesus prayed, sanctify us. In your truth, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to learn that the name Adonai is different 
from most of the other names of God. Why? Because it describes a relationship with God and not just simply a characteristic of God. You know, it's one thing to understand that God is mighty or Elohim, but today we will see that Adonai, the supreme Lord, pictures what our relationship with Elohim should be like. You know, every person in here, I know this for a fact, struggles with authority. And if you say you don't, well, there you go. The proof's in the pudding. Okay? That struggle began at a very early age for each and every one of us. We are all born with the sin nature. And it's really a battle with authority. Lately, I have a two-year-old, almost two-year-old. His new favorite word, his name is Leo, and his new favorite word is mine. Y'all know what I'm saying, right? Mine. Just recently this week, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the three minds that he did to me this week. I was watching the TV, took the remote, and he said, mine. I was like, okay. I was eating one of my favorite meals that my mother made for me. It was, it was a soup. He looked at it, and he goes, mine. So I had to feed it to him. I was kicking around the soccer ball with my son, Caden. We were playing. He comes over. He takes the ball, and he says, mine. And then we took him on a play date, and I was like, I really hope he doesn't do this. Because it's embarrassing as a parent. But he goes up to this kid's toy, and he takes it, and he says, mine. He's treating all of these things like he paid for them. Right? Like he deserved them, like he had some sort of authority over that toy that he took from that precious little girl. Felt so bad. But listen, we're all born with the mistaken idea that we are owners. That's why we use the kind of wording that you probably hear a lot, my car, my house, my job. My free time, my resources, right? We, we say that. Can we admit that we have all said those things? But here's the thing. The name Adonai changes all that. This name makes us beg the question this morning. Who is in charge of our lives? Who is in charge of your life? So we're going to unpack that a little bit. But before I try to get to the answer of this question, I'm going to give you some context on this name, Adonai. First, we need to understand clearly what this Hebrew name Adonai means. Adonai is a plural name for God, much like Elohim that we learned last week. But it comes from Adon, the singular, and it means master and lord. And Adam, usually in the Bible, refers to people and not God when it's used. Adam. But here's the kicker. When the plural Adonai is used in the Bible, it never refers to a person. It always refers to God. R.C. Sproul, the great theologian and local pastor, points out that the suffix A-I in Adonai intensifies the meaning of the word Adam. So that Adonai actually means, instead of just Lord, it means supreme Lord. Instead of just the Lord, it means the Lord of all. 
So this word Adonai stresses the sovereignty of God as the ruler of all. In the Greek translation, the Septuagint of the Old Testament, Adonai and Jehovah and Yahweh are all translated with the same Greek noun, kurios. Can we say it together? Kurios. In this series, we're going to learn Hebrew and Greek, so get comfortable, okay? Kurios. And this word kurios, when it's used in the New Testament, actually means sovereign power, supreme authority, and absolute ownership. Now get this, I'm going to nerd out just a little bit today, okay, if you would allow me to do so. In the New Testament, Jesus is called Savior 20 times. I found that to be surprising. He's the Savior. But only 20 times he's called Savior. Now this word kurios means Lord, right? Supreme power, supreme authority, absolute owner. Guess how many times Jesus is called kurios in the New Testament? Go ahead and somebody. 20, 20, how many? 25? All right, you ready? 700 times. Savior, 20 times. Lord, the supreme power, supreme authority, the absolute owner, the master of all, 700 times. And get this, every single time these two titles are mentioned together, guess which one comes first? Lord. And that's significant because he can't be our savior until he's our Lord. Did you, I wanna say it one more time. He can't be our savior until we submit to him as Lord. So that's clearly significant to us and we're gonna learn a little bit more about that in just a second. But now I'm gonna bring you to, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 15. Starting at verse 1. But before I go into Genesis 15, this is the first time that this name, Adonai, is brought up in the Bible. And I want to give you some context of what's been going on in in the background with Abraham. So in Genesis 12, Abraham had left his country to follow God. God led him. He obeyed the Lord until Egypt, where he resorted to a lie to protect his wife. That's a sermon for a different day. Then he and Lot parted ways, one to Canaan and the other to Sodom. Does anybody know what happened at Sodom? Abraham went to Sodom to rescue Lot. And then by chapter 15, things seemed to be okay. But here's why I tell you all that, because by this time, by Genesis 15, Abraham had already experienced God as Adonai. He knew that Adonai was the supreme Lord of all, the master of all that exists. And he was submitted to his leadership. And that's why he brings up this name in Genesis 15, verse 2. But I want to read it, Genesis 15, verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be great. But Abram said, O Lord God, translation, O Adonai, what 
will you give me? So he praises him as the sovereign Lord, and then his next word is, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. We do this often. We say, God, we know you're the master of all, but our hearts are filled with fear and doubt. And so God says, I'm going to give you a little outdoor lesson. We homeschool our kids, and we love taking them outdoors to teach them lessons about God. And so he takes them outside to remind Abraham of who he was. And then it continues on in verse 4 and says, and behold... Sorry, verse 3. Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And this is what God says. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he didn't stop there. And he brought him outside. And he said this. Look toward heaven. Y'all get this picture? He's showing him how powerful he is who the master is, and he says, look up towards the heavens and number the stars. And if you're able to number them, then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. We know the narrative. Abraham is pretty old by this point, and he hasn't had a child of his own. And so he says, God, I don't know why you're doing this. I know you're the master of all, but God, um, why are you doing this to me? Have you ever been there before where you just don't understand why and how God is doing something, but you know he's the master? You know that he's Adonai? I had a friend once tell me uh, when he was in college, uh, he was telling me how he, he was struggling in college, he was struggling academically, he was struggling financially, and he, he said that at this point in college, I think it was his sophomore year, he said, I just wanted to give up. I thought for sure I wasn't going to finish college. And then he said he got something in the, in the mail, a present in the mail from his grandmother. And he opened it up, and it was an empty frame. And in the middle of the frame, it said, this is where your diploma will go. And he said, Art, that changed everything for me that I got to see it. And God does the same thing with Abram. He says, I placed the stars in the heavens, and he says the same thing to us. Do you think your childlessness is insurmountable to me? We can just replace that with anything. Do you think your situation is insurmountable to me? I'm big. I control it all. I can handle it. You see, Abraham was suffering from what we call meology. Y'all ever heard of meology in seminary? Meology? It's when we don't understand something, when we don't understand what God is doing, and we begin to doubt him and his timing. And not only do we doubt him, but then we begin to bark orders at God. That's what Abraham said. Abraham's like, I'm going to do it on my own. 
Somebody else is going to have to have my baby. And God said, no, 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 that's not how it works. But we suffer from meology often. I know I do. So as God often does with us, God was forced to take Abraham through a process to teach him that he is Adonai, that he is in fact the Lord of all. And the reality is this morning is that God often has to take us through a similar process to bring us to the understanding that he is the Lord of all we own, that he is the Lord of all we are, and that he is the Lord of all we do. Has the Lord taught you this lesson yet? For those who have been walking with Jesus, I know you've been taught that lesson by this point in your life. So Adonai had to teach him these two important lessons, two important truths. He had to teach Abraham that, first and foremost, he owns it all and he controls it all. And secondly, he had to teach Abraham to trust and obey, to submit to God. And hear me out, Christians. This is for the Christians in the room. God says in the word that we are his possession. And if that's true, if God is our possession, then we must submit to him. If he's in fact our Lord, then we must live under his leadership. If God is really the owner of everything, then we are but managers of the resources he has given us. And so I want you to remember this that's going to be on the screen. You want to put this in your office or in, on, somewhere in your car. I want you to remember this little thing here. And it simply says this. We, as God's creation, exist for Adonai. He does not exist for us. And some of us need to hear that. I'm going to say it again. That we exist for God and his glory. He does not exist for us in our glory. As a matter of fact, Psalm 24, 1 says this. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is, it's Adonai's. And the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. It's the Lord's. Or if you're a believer, Romans 14, 7 through 8 puts it pretty clearly. For none of us live to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. Curios. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. I found a quote this week that really helps us in this, that says this, I don't know who it was by, but it says this, the first duty of every soul is to find not its freedom, but its master. And so oftentimes, we go out to try to find freedom before we find the master. But this morning, church, if you wanna find freedom, you first have to find the master in that order. So God did exactly that. God had to show Abraham who was the master. 
who was the boss. And if you look throughout the Old Testament, anyone who ever did anything great for God had to first learn to submit to Adonai. They had to make Yahweh their master. We can go through all of the the different people in the Bible. Moses and Joseph and David and Gideon and Daniel and even Samson, they all had to come to terms that God owns it all, that he's large and in charge. They had to trust and obey. They needed to learn it. And here's the reality of our Christian faith. Here's the reality of Christianity. You can't call Jesus Lord if you're unwilling to live a life of submission. You cannot call Jesus Lord, hear me, if you are unwilling to live a life of submitting to him and his word. So what does it mean to have God as our Adonai? What does it look like to live a life of submission to Jesus as Lord, as Kyrios? Well, it starts first and foremost with surrender. The litmus test in determining if you're following Adonai this morning, here's the litmus test, is asking yourself these two questions. Have I surrendered everything to him? Am I willing to trust and obey in all things? I'm asking you the question. (laughs) Take a second. I, I got enough time, I think. Take a second. What areas, church, in your life have you not surrendered to the Lord? If you're not a Christian this morning, the first thing we have to do is submit to Jesus as Lord. To confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. But if you're a Christian this morning, what areas in your life are in need of surrendering? You know, Ross and I, we battled with this a couple years ago. We, we had a hard time singing I Surrender All, that song. Because we battled with the fact that, that we were not living a life of total surrender. So we didn't want to be hypocrites and sing the song. Right, Ross? And so we didn't sing it for like two years. But really, now I'm, I'm thinking through it differently. Because really it's a call to surrender to That when we sing that, we're saying, God, help me to surrender all. So we need to sing it. We need to be reminded. But as we look to the lordship of Jesus, we have to understand that lordship is about submitting to God's authority. As Elohim, he has a right to express his will over ours, and we must submit to him. And James 4, 7 says it pretty plainly. Y'all want to read it with me? Here we go. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. And then it says, resist, resist the devil, and then he'll, he will flee from you. You know the rest of it? But it starts with this. You, you can't even mess with the devil until you've submitted to the Lord. You can't fight him. The Lord fights for us, but we have to submit to him. And then Psalm 91 puts it a different way and says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, I will say to Adonai, 
my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I, y'all can say this last me, in whom I trust, trust. The reality this morning is that we are all programmed to submit to something The Bible puts it pretty black and white. We're either a slave to sin and self, or we are slaves to Christ and his righteousness. What really rules your life, church? Who really is the king of your life? Pastor John MacArthur has a quote that I really love that says this, the definitive test on whether a person belongs to Christ is a willingness to bow to his divine authority. And this is where our sin problem comes in. We don't like this whole idea of authority, people telling us what to do. We live in a me culture. It's all about me and what I want to do. And we take that into our relationship with God. But he's the master of all. He's the Lord of all that exists. He is the supreme Lord, the preeminent Lord over all things, over all creation, over all the peoples, over all the universe. But at its core, at its core, sin is a rebellion against God's authority. That's what it is. It's a rebellion against God's authority. Isaiah 59 puts it this way, our sins testify against us, for our transgressions are with us, and we know our iniquities. Transgressing, now look at how this plays out. Transgressing and what? Denying the Lord. And what comes right after denying the Lord? Denying him as Lord, denying him as master, and turning back from following our God. When we deny him, we, trust me, you won't follow him. But when you submit to him, his spirit works mightily in us to be obedient to his commands. But it takes submission. This week I was teaching that in our Bible study at home. I teach our little one's Bible. And our memory verse, we were learning about Adam and Eve and the rebellion in the garden. And Romans 121 was our memory verse. And I thought, this is perfect for my sermon on Sunday. So here's what it says, for although they knew God, we know God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they, came, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened or our foolish hearts let sin in. But you see the top of that verse? We know who's God, we know who's the master, but then we don't choose to honor him as God, as master. So, we this morning need to take ownership. And uh, and you're probably thinking, Arthur, I thought you said we're not owners. Yes. But we need to take ownership of our surrendering to Christ this morning. And ownership recognizes possession. Ownership understands that as a Christian, I possess nothing, but that I am fully possessed by the Almighty. As a Christian, we hold on to the truth that we are God's possessions, purchased by the very blood of Christ Jesus. 
First Corinthians says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You ready? You are not your own. Acts 20 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Take care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. And other translations say, which he purchased with his own blood. Or Titus 2.14, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. 1 Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Do you see it? When we surrender to Christ at salvation, when we surrender to Christ at salvation, what we're doing is actually handing over the title deed of our lives. And that's why I really love the song I give myself away, the bridge. My life is not my own, to you I belong. I give myself, I give myself to you. It's a prayer. It's a prayer. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We are his possession. We are his possession. Praise be to God. And not only is it important to know this morning that we belong to God in Christ Jesus, but it's important to know that we are also stewards of God's possessions. You know, my dad, my first car that he bought me in high school was a Chrysler LeBaron. If you know that car, raise your hand. There it is. I put it on the screen for you. So my dad bought it. He's probably watching online, so he can say amen online. But he paid $600 for this car, and trust me, it was worth all $600. And it was all beat up, and so before he brought it to me, and put it in the driveway, he, he put a new paint job, and he also, I don't know how, he got a new top for the car. And six months later, it caught on fire, and that was that, in my garage. <laughs> Horrible. Dad, you know, amen, right? You know. Well, here's why I bring that up. Because this was my dad's car, ultimately. He paid for it. I was on his insurance. It wasn't my car, okay? So... There was rules. You can't take it out at a certain time. You only go, you only take it out when I tell you to take it out. Well, I'm a teenager, and I was obedient. I'm just kidding. I was disobedient, rebelling against my father's authority. I said, okay, I got some friends, and we went to the Fashion Square Mall. On the way back, the car broke down, and it was a clunker. Like, it would, you heard it from, like, miles away. Just pop, 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 and it's just done. Just, and my friends looked at me and said, Arthur, I love you, but we got to, I'd rather walk home than get your dad pick us up. <laughs> my dad's a serious guy. Portuguese families, we are serious. When you're in trouble, it's serious. But here's the deal. I, I didn't obey my dad's rules, 
I rebelled against his authority, and look where I found myself with my car broken down. And guess who I had to call? It wasn't Ghostbusters. It was my dad. And so he picked up the phone, and, and he said, what's going on? And I said, uh, uh, every teenager, um, I took it out, and it's, it's, it's broke down on the side of the road. And he said, well, that's what you get. <laughs> and, uh, but he still came and picked us up. He's the owner of the car. He wanted what's best for me. That's why he had those, those boundaries in place. But I broke them, thinking that I knew what was best. Everything we have belongs to God. That's why I bring this up. And he has given it to us to use for his glory and his purposes. And as a steward, my role and your role is to take care of his possessions. And I learned something that day when I took that car out. That just because something is in your possession, it doesn't mean that it's your possession. That's what I learned that day. Just because something is in your possession, it doesn't mean that it's your possession. Teenagers... Right? I want you to make sure the teenagers are listening. This is important. God expects us this morning to use our time and our talents and our treasures to honor him. And guess what? One day, we will have to give an account for how we managed what he allowed us to borrow. How you doing with God's possessions? You know, the hardest lesson in the Christian life in terms of this is, is money. And I'm not going to get all into money right now. That's Corey's job. So he can convict your hearts. But one of the best ways to remind ourselves that we belong to the Lord is to make sure that he's the master of our money. And some of us, if we, you know your heart. Some of us aren't fully devoted followers of Jesus because we're simply more committed to cash than we are to Christ. And if you want to grow in your faith, submit to the Lord as master over your money. Test the Lord in this. Matthew 6, he lays it out pretty plainly in curious language, in Adonai language. And he says, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Here's the reality. You can't serve Adonai in money. Who's the master? Now I want to switch gears. Pastor Dustin talked about how Elohim made a way for sinners like us to have a relationship with God. And knowing Jesus as Adonai at the end of the day is about a relationship that is rooted in a covenant called the new covenant in the blood of Christ. It's about committing and relying on another. It's about putting our total trust in someone knowing that they'll never betray you. And the, the reason oftentimes we don't give God the authority is because we think we know what's best for us. That's a lie from Satan. The Lord knows what's best for us better than we know what's best for us. And we've been hurt by people, but God is in his own category. 
He's the Lord and master of all, and he does everything perfectly with loving kindness and tenderness and gentleness and humility. Adonai promises you this morning, hear me out, Adonai promises you this morning to never leave you or forsake you. Adonai promises to be a friend closer than a brother. Adonai promises to care for our souls, to be gentle and lowly with us. He's not like our friends in our family, imperfect people. He's a perfect God. And our Savior is gentle with us. Pastor mentioned this verse Yesterday, during our outreach, Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, you guys know this verse, but it really shows us the very heart of Christ. We've been going through a book called Gentle and Lonely as a Staff, and it's been so helpful, showing us the heart of Christ, and I highly recommend this book, Gentle and Lonely by Dane Ortland. If you don't have it, pick it up. It's great. But it's all based really on this verse. And it says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And then he exposes his heart, for I am gentle and lonely in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Another passage I really love, Isaiah 40, that shows how mighty God is, that he really is the Lord and master of all, yet it shows his tenderness. Isaiah 40 says, behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And then, on the flip side, he will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently, gently lead those that are with young. And one of my favorite New Testament slash Old Testament verses Matthew quotes Isaiah 42, and he says this morning, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. What does that all mean? That Adonai knows us fully and understands us entirely. And guess what? He loves us more than we love ourselves. And he is even more committed to our ultimate joy than we are. Can you believe that? Did you hear that last line? He's even more committed to our ultimate joy than we are. And if you've tried to govern your own life, you know what I'm saying. We try to get it right. We try to be the Lord of our lives. And everything just falls apart. We think we're making decisions that are best for us only to find out they're not. But when the Lord guides our lives, when we submit to him, he handles us with care and gentleness and with love and with abounding grace and mercy. And he leads us to green pastures, still waters. Adonai, this morning, hear me, Christian. Adonai will govern your life this morning with gentle care. And he will ensure your ultimate joy. Will you submit to him? Will you trust him? God is serious this morning about being our Lord. Listen, this isn't just a simple, this isn't just a sermon. This is not a game. Eternal life hangs in the balance of what I'm saying. 
Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew 7 when he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does what? The will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Curios, curios, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. That's really serious. Jesus is coming to the end of his sermon on the mount, and he finishes with a lesson on lordship. And just before this verse, you know what he talked about? How this broad road is filled with many people trying to be the lord of their own lives, but this little narrow road of submitting to him, only few find that road. And then he gives us this passage. And the people that are really in question here, and this is why I bring this up because this is important, but the people that are in question are people who have a religious life. A little bit of church and a little bit of Jesus and a little bit of other things. I'm talking about church members, pastors, deacons, faithful, committed volunteers, Bible study leaders. Those who have heard scores of sermons of how Jesus should be first place in our lives. And we think to ourselves, he doesn't really mean all of our lives, really. He doesn't really mean take up your cross and follow me, right? He doesn't really expect to be the king of every area of my life. My job, my money, my family. But Jesus says, Yes, I'm either the Lord of all or not the Lord at all. I'm either the master of all or not the Lord of all. And so the point of this is this. We have to go from lip service to surrendering our lives to him this morning. Because many will say, did you hear that word, many? Many will come and say to me, many, many. Many, get that in your brain, many. There are a lot of good people in this church and others like it who think that they can live a life of one foot in and one foot out. A Lord of a little bit and I'm a Lord of the rest of it. And there are, there are even more people outside of the church that think that they are good enough to come to God in their own merit. But that's not how it works. There's a translation of this verse, and I'm almost done. There's a transla translation of this verse by Eugene Peterson of this passage that puts it this way. Y'all hear this. Knowing the correct password, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God sponsored projects that had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourself important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. 
There's a difference between lip service and a life of surrender. I'm going to say that again. There's a difference between saying that Jesus is Lord and submitting to him as Lord. Jesus has nothing to do with empty words and empty deeds. He wants a life of submission. He wants you to do his will. And you're probably thinking, well, Pastor Arthur, weren't these people in this verse doing his will? They were prophesying. They were doing all of these things. Yes, you're right. But they failed to recognize what the lordship of Christ really demanded. And all that that is is this, that before you can call him savior, you have to make him lord. That's it. You have to call on him as Adonai. And this morning, if you're living as if you have fire insurance, thinking that you can ignore his rule in your life, then I have some bad news for you this morning. You're lost. You don't get it. But here's the good news. You ready? It's not too late. It's not too late to come and get things right with Christ. This morning, you can receive the grace of God. And you can allow Christ to establish his rule and reign in your life. Listen to me. Today's the day. And there isn't any inch of any sphere of your life of which Christ the Lord doesn't say, mine. Like my child, mine, 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 mine. He wants it all. A life of total surrender. Will you do it? Will you surrender? It's amazing to me what Adonai can do with a life of total surrender. With a life that surrenders to the Lordship of Christ. Christ can do incredible things when we come and surrender to him as Lord. And that's why the great evangelistic verse, Romans 10, 9, says it this way, if we confess this morning, here's the truth, if we confess with our mouths that Jesus is what? Lord. That Jesus is what, church? Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised Christ from the dead. Here's the good news for those who are not in Christ this morning. You can be in Christ and you can be saved. But he must be Lord. So let us bow our heads and close our eyes. I want to do something just a little differently. While you have your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to just take your hands and form a fist if you can. Just real tight. Form a fist, both of your hands. If you're ready this morning to give him everything. If you're ready to surrender, if you're a Christian, there's areas you haven't surrendered to him and you know those areas and you wanna surrender to him this morning. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to slowly open up your fist until your palms are wide open. Because this is a sign of surrender. And with your arms or with your hands open, I want you to say, Lord, whatever, area it is, finances, career, resources, time, whatever it may be, I want you to just say, Lord, I surrender. And this morning, 
If there is someone in here, while we have our hands out, if there is someone in this place this morning who has not called on the name of Jesus as Lord, and today they want to submit to him the gentle Savior, they want to confess Christ as Lord, they want to submit to his Lordship, they want to follow him to the ends of the earth, Right now, if that's you and you've never called on the name of Jesus, I'm right here in the front row. You can come to me right now. And I want to pray with you. We're going to just let that sit for a second. If there's anyone that hears the sound of my voice, whether you're watching online or here in this place, if you're ready to surrender to Jesus as Lord, now's your time. You can do that right now. You can do that today. Let me pray. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that you remind us, Lord, that you know what's best for us better than we know what's best for us. That when you establish your rule and reign in our lives, you handle us with care. You lead us to green pastures. <laughs> you walk with us beside still waters. Lord, you give us joy that is not based on human comforts and materialism. Lord, when we submit to you, you give us a peace that surpasses all understanding because we don't have to figure everything out. We don't have to figure out what the next step is. We don't have to figure out what the future is going to look like. We know that you're reigning. We know that you're the king. We know that you're the master of all. And that you will handle our lives with gentle care. Oh, Savior, we praise you. And we're so very thankful this morning that we get to call you Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Let us continue to worship.